hello and welcome to Lit Bits and Mini Lit Bits, a Lit Bit Light, like normal Lit Bits with zero calories instead of the normal four calories. Uh, my name's Adam Smythe, I'm on my own today. James Kidd is unfortunately locked in the cellar, Fritzl style, but I'm going to go on for a few minutes. And I wanted to talk a little bit about computers and literature. Um, this goes back to a moment a couple of weeks ago when I was standing, as I quite often do, on the platform at Reading train station waiting for the train, which is always late. The trains at Reading are so frequently late that any sense of a timetable, um, I think, has been abandoned by everyone. And you just merely take the first train that turns up. Anyway, the train rumbled in three and a half days behind schedule, and a voice rang out over the tannoy. We're very sorry about the train's late arrival. And then it repeated at the end, we're very sorry about the late arrival of the train. And it struck me as a very odd moment because here was a voice expressing contrition and guilt, which seemed to imply a person being sorry and um, expressing regret. But at the same time, this was very clearly a bit of computer software, an algorithm which was turning out this digital voice. And there was no person behind this voice, but everyone on the platform, slightly annoyed, but seemed a little bit appeased by having this entirely inauthentic speech um, off of this um, voiceless voice of regret. And it got me thinking, what would happen if we put literary texts that we know very well, and in particular, particular literary texts that we associate with a strong sense of a voice behind the text, a strong sense of an author or a character or a narrator, if you put those through um, that kind of tannoy, how would they, how would we receive them and think about them in different ways? And I petitioned Reading Station to let me read out the sonnets of and Spencer's Amoretti over their train tannoy system, but they wouldn't do that. So instead, as a substitute, I've been joined by my own little bit of voice recognition software, which I've plundered from the internet. Um, so I'd like to introduce Jamie, who's going to help me out here. It's an honor to be working with Lipitz. Well, it's very, very nice to have you here. A real pinnacle for me. It's, it's good for us too. Um, you didn't, by the way, write a brief history of time, did you? I find that offensive. Yes. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, anyway, on with the experiment. What happens if we put the most famous moment in English literary history through um, my surrogate Reading train station tunnel system? How does it seem different? How does it sound different? Um, is it, does it become a different thing entirely? Is literature a different phenomenon seen through um, Jamie's hawking s voice? So here it is. Um, you'll know the speech. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobbler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep, no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flushes air to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, eh, there's the rub. Whether tis nobbler in the mind, that's always the question. Um, for me. So um, what happens if we consume that famous speech through this, this medium rather than the printed page or rather or rather than the theatre, um, the boards being trod by um, David Tennant or Mark Rylance or whoever it is? Well, I guess two things. One is that we don't think, we tend not to think perhaps now of an originating person behind this speech, of an actor or an author or a character. Um, they're just words out there. And I think that's maybe rather a good thing. We don't track back from the words to an imaginary person, but we think more carefully about the words, um, about the outrageous fortune that Hamlet is enduring. And as a consequence, perhaps that's a rather good function, that familiar lines become strange, become denaturalised. One of the paradoxes, I guess, 
one of the problems of canonical literature, literature that gets read a lot, is that it becomes familiar, and if something becomes familiar, I suppose we stop on some level reading it or thinking about it. The text, the novel, the play, the poem becomes like a landscape we walk through every day to work, which we cease to really see. So plugging it back through my little computer friend here is a way to bring it alive again. And so perhaps that's my parting suggestion on this Lit Bits Light. We put all our great works of literature in the form not of printed books, not of plays, but rather in the form of rather unconvincing computer-generated voice software. I wandered lonely as a cloud, tiger, tiger, burning bright and of course most urgently of all the first paragraph of Geoffrey Archer's first amongst equals and I think I better leave it there any final words from my computerized friend I just want to say I love Andrew motion well I think you're not alone there um, okay that's all for now um, do follow us in Twitter at at lit bit pod um, send us an email via the website litbits.co.uk or and generally download and listen We will be back soon. Bye.